Hello fellow sports photographers. My name is Liam Octoropoulos, or All Sports Snapper, and I'm a sports photographer working full-time for Getty Images. Welcome to the Photography Philosophy Podcast, where I have open discussions with the world's best sports photographers. I hope this will give you an insight behind the long lenses from the men and women who fill our back pages, websites, and magazines with amazing sports imagery. My guess that this is one of many podcasts you'll listen to, so you know the drill. Get in contact with me via Twitter at AllSportsNapper or my website AllSportsNapper.com with any questions or suggestions. In my 12th episode with special guest Vladimir Rees, the award-winning photographer, Formula One specialist and my mate, we have a questions and answers from some listeners. Um, from tips to shooting new sports, carrying heavy gear, not playing it safe and taking risks for different images, protecting and cleaning your kit, and uh, handy items to always have in your camera bag. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Uh, welcome to the Photography Philosophy Podcast. And uh, today we're doing a Q&A, questions and answers from some of, our, from some of the listeners who have um, asked some things. And as a, I thought I could do this myself, but who better to get than the most popular guest on the Photography Philosophy Podcast ever, Vladimir Reese. Welcome back, Vlad. Hi, Dean. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought I'd get you back on just to, um, I'll, you know, we'll both answer the questions that, that you know, the, there's not many here, you know, there's a few here, but um, I thought it might be nice to get uh, two opinions and uh, someone is uh, with a unique and uh, gifted photographer like yourself. I thought it might be better to get your eye, not just my opinion on the uh on the, some of the questions so let's start straight away um i don't know how long this will go for but we'll start um we've got a question here from someone who was asking um shooting a bunch of stuff i have no clue about this uh, uh how do you or your guests go about shooting assignments like this so yeah so if someone a client rings you up and says i need you to shoot i don't know synchronized swimming or something that you haven't really shot that much uh, how do you do it, Vlad? What's your uh, what's your thought process with uh, on this? It's a good thing. I think uh, shooting something new is always good. You know, it keeps your eye, eye, eyes fresh. And um, what I do is I just I just look first. I just watch what's going on, understand what's you know the rules a little bit, where the lights comes from, what the athletes are doing, and then basically <clears throat> try to um, to uh, think about the best way how to cover this how to capture this so uh yeah it's a it's a i think it's a good thing always shooting something new i, I came into formula one I, I had no clue about motorsports or formula one at all and some people say that even saved saved me because uh, i wasn't influenced before you know so, so sometimes you come into something with a fresh eye and and it uh, you can only make it uh, um, as a uh, you can only make advan advantage out of it do you um do you look at uh, photos before you go to an event ever for that for that kind of stuff? Uh, sometimes I do, yeah. Sometimes I do f just to see what's going on. You know, uh, nowadays with the digital with the internet era, it's it's pretty easy. You know, you just go on Google and type in the spot you wanna you wanna see pictures from. Uh, it helps sometimes, yeah. That's true. But I, I've um I've tried uh you know I I think when I started shooting I actually stopped doing that um to looking at Google and 
Um, I usually would try and go to an event uh, early and watch practice, or if I get there early and just watch like maybe the opening heats and just sit there. Yeah, like you said, just sit there and watch what's going on, yeah. or um, or people um, practicing or whatever, just so you've got an idea before. Um, I, you know, I, this is again, this is just my opinion. Is that if sometimes if I look at pictures, I think, oh, that's a nice picture. Maybe I get that one first, so I know I've got something in the bag. You know mm-hmm, what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I've, but I, 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 I stopped doing that because I think that's sort of not cheating, but um, maybe it sort of influences you without you know. Maybe you can go there and think, okay, I'm going to do this picture. I'm going to get this photo done, and then then I can work on what I like instead of just going there and working from the start you know what i mean so yeah i mean yeah i mean every photographer um works and thinks in a different way and uh for me for example i know photographers who just go to an event like four or five hours before it starts even you know and i can't i can't do that because um before, uh, when it starts i'm actually already tired you know so so i i go to to an event as you know with with a with a time advantage i need uh to get myself uh, ready and stuff like that but also i, I want to be sharp you know when it starts uh, I, I just want to go bang 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 look at the stuff and uh watch what, what's going on and uh i mean you have a cent- uh you have a certain um concentration amount and one photographer told me once a few many years back i remember he told me i keep my concentration only for one hour or something and it's true, you know, like somebody can keep uh, his concentration for one, two, three hours, somebody only just for a half an hour, you know, so it's very individual, I think. But also, um, I used to do in the early days, and I know a lot of photographers does it, um, it's like when you go to an event, and then you just double check uh, what the others did, you know, what uh, what um, photography production uh, was delivered from the agency photographers where you can easily check on the website, you know, what they did and stuff like that but i don't I, I i hardly do it nowadays not only i don't have time for that but i also don't want to get influenced a lot you know yeah definitely i, I just want to keep my uh, own way of shooting and way of looking at the things and um it's just spending time for me at the moment now so i don't I don't go back and watch what what the AFP photographer did and what the EPA photographer did, you know, and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah, I think uh, the, I mean again, uh, I'm I, I'm fairly lucky. I most venues I've been to, I can speak to photographers that have been there before. So, I'll speak to the office and say, you know, who shot it last or whatever, and then I'll speak to them and just ask them what lenses to take or mm-hmm. you know yeah. what's the light like there, just so you've got a, a, a rough idea, and, you know, so you're not carrying stuff that you know you're not going to be using. So, um, yeah, speaking to someone that's done it before obviously is going to be a massive help. Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, but yeah, I think I don't know. For my personal opinion, you know, looking at pictures, if you've got no idea about the sport whatsoever, then obviously it might be good watching some mm-hmm. videos on YouTube and just so you've got an idea of the sport, reading up a bit on the rules. Exactly. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but in terms of um, in terms of the pictures, I, I try to go in a bit, um, you know, with an understanding of what lenses and stuff to take, but not uh, maybe not. Uh, yeah, even the, you know, just so I've got an idea of what how the how the venue will work, but maybe the sport itself, I sort of go there and try to figure out myself. That's that's how I like to um, shoot yeah. stuff. Like, even, I mean, I shot judo last week, yeah, and I think I've shot judo once before at the Olympics. You know, yeah. and that was maybe for like two hours or something, and then I had to move on to the next sport. 
And yeah, I just got there, sat down um, with cameras, no cameras out of the bag, and sat down and watched like three or four fights, just mm-hmm. so I had an idea of, exactly. you know, where the referee was standing, where the light was coming from, mm-hmm. you know, how, how that how, that kind of. And then once I've sort of got an idea, then it's okay. Now from now I'm going to go stand over here because this is where they seem to end up, you know, grappling on the ground, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I think sitting down and watching the sport live makes um, um, without a camera. And just so you're watching it and then you're processing in your head what you think you what, what you want to achieve and uh, how you're going to get that. So that's yeah. that's how I think I would go about it. Sometimes it's good for your own safety as well. I remember a photographer who went to handball. Ah, he, that's a good point. <laughs> he, just, he sat right next to the goal, you know. And then at some point he was shooting and like looking uh, through the viewfinder. He couldn't see where the ball uh, comes from and... The ball unfortunately hit his lens. The lens hit the camera. The camera hit his eye, and yeah. he came back, you know, with a bloody eye and a, with a. Scr- you shouldn't laugh, but that scr- is funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so sometimes it's good for your own safety, but also um, television is a great uh, thing. I learned from you know. Sometimes I watch on a television um, some action, even even F one. You know, uh, on television it looks uh, different. There you see angles you can't normally see on the truck and stuff like that so you think about it watching it on the television and you have you know slow motions and stuff like that well you can learn out of it and go next year <laughs> yeah again and do it again you know yeah and that's the thing isn't it once you've been there once then the next as soon as you well uh, as soon as i live in a venue i just think okay i should have done that differently or yeah. next time i come here i'm going to do this you know that which i didn't do this time so but it's good because when you leave the venue and you are fully satisfied with it with yourself or with the photography you don't you know you don't uh, progress so it pushes you uh, forward always Yeah, I don't think I've ever walked away from a venue thinking, "God, I nailed that." That, that was. <laughs> I'm so great. <laughs> God, I'm God, I'm great. No, no, I don't. That's never happened. <laughs> All right, next uh, question. We have a question which is a fairly common one: techniques for carrying heavy gear, or yeah, lugging all our stuff around. What's uh, what's your uh, what's your system, Vlad? Well, I have to advertise a little bit here now because I have a company that oh. supports me. I have... This is a first uh, official <laughs> mention of any sponsors and stuff on this show. <laughs> this is all paid for by me. <laughs> so now we have an official sponsor. Go for it, mate. I don't mind. <laughs> no, I've been, uh, I've been, I've, 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 uh, I've done all the stuff. You know, I've been carrying uh, Domka bags and backpacks and stuff like that. And uh, since uh, many years now already, actually, I, I use um, rollers, uh, which is basically the uh, cases with, with wheels uh, underneath uh, in the button. And, uh, yeah, I have a company that supports me now, I think, almost already five years or something, which is F-Stop Gear, American company I'm very satisfied with. And... Um, They just supply me with everything I need, and I have um, uh, this roller, one which is called Lightroom from them. Then I have what? Sorry, it's it's called Lightroom, is it? Lightroom, yeah. Okay. Uh, L I T E, Um, and uh, I have many many bags and backpacks from them. But this is the the bag I used at most. Uh, That's the, if I can say, the heart of my equipment. I carry with me always. I don't check it in or anything it's uh, usually two bodies you know and three four lenses and um, uh, the rest yeah I mean F1 is quite special because you ship a lot of stuff 
uh, or you travel a lot, I mean. So I ship uh, a lot of stuff with a team I work for as well, which which makes my life much easier. But also it's important when you go to an event and um, you have a lot of equipment with you because you don't know what, you, what you're going to need or anything. It also uh, limits your your um, flexibility you know you have to be uh, able to move around quickly and so I usually I had with me like two two, mostly three lenses at at, at most and um, that kept me um, basically flexible that kept that kept me fast you know when you have to move from A to B uh, quickly I, I can't really like bring with me like five lenses and two, uh, you know, big lenses and uh, flashes and stuff like that. Uh, this is now how I work. Uh, but everybody everybody works in a different way, so it's quite difficult to say what's what's the best way for each other, you know. To Well, for you, I mean, you carry, uh, you shoot on a, on a 600, you take to the, uh, to the track, is that right? No, 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 I shoot on 400. <clears throat> you got the four, okay. If I need something Sorry. longer, I, I just use extender, but it's, I hardly use any extender. And you keep the the four hundred stays um, with you when you travel. That, that you take that on board on. No, uh, four hundred goes with the team the whole season. Okay, so we can say that you work for Red Bull mainly, and then when Red Bull pack up all their uh, their the pits, everything that's in the pits, you just you've got a special they've, they've got a special Vlad spot where you put all your uh, camera equipment. Yeah, and exactly. You I pick have, it up at the next race. Yeah, I have my case, and uh, I put everything in my case, uh, which. Is supposed to be shipped with a team. I leave it there, and they just ship it for me, which is which is great. Uh, is this a f-stop case? No, well? no, no. This one is like a hard shell uh, case. Something like it's not a Pelli. Oh, Pelli case. Yeah, it's it's the Italian company. I I can't remember the name of it. Uh, but it's it's a it's that sort of yeah that that waterproof uh, exactly. water resistant uh, hard out external case with a foam sort of uh, yeah. cut out in the middle. Yeah, that's the one. I um. Picked also a nice uh, red color, so everybody thinks it's Ferrari equ- equipment. But <laughs> uh. <laughs> no, I'm joking. But it's like, <laughs> nobody, nobody oversees it. You know that's why I picked the the color <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, so it's one of these cases, and it's waterproof, and uh, there's like this foam inside, and I have um, my big lens there, and a few uh, small lenses I use at every every race basically, and. Um, yeah, it's a great, um, great help from the team. All right. Well, I'm I am uh, not sponsored by anybody. Yeah. So if anyone's listening, I'm more than willing to accept uh, equipment. Are you sponsored by Getty Images? <laughs> True, I am actually. Yes. So I, I am. I have. I use Think Tank. Um, most of my stuff is Think Tank. Mm-hmm. I have a donkey. Uh, old. When I say old, this is a. 400 mil lens bag which i yeah, which is- um inherited from a <laughs> from one a, a photographer from the uh, 80s which is like it's an old beaten up bag and my my theory was if i accidentally leave it on the side of somewhere and it looks so raggedy and ugly this bag that if someone sees it they won't even want to touch it let alone <laughs> know that there's a very expensive lens in there that's my thinking on that <laughs> So um, I, ca- I take that on board, and I also use a, a rolly bag as well. I can't remember what it's called. I think it's uh, I can find out, and I'll put a link to it on the show notes. But it's a it's a think tank bag. I can fit four bodies in there, about six lenses, a hard drive for backing up stuff. It's got a pocket on the front which I can slide my laptop in. That's cool. And I used to carry everything like a few photographers on their bags in backpacks, but. Um, 
it just it's too heavy it, you know it, it's it's just insane and 99% of, I mean I fly a fair bit and most times once you tell the airline that you are flying with sensitive equipment mm-hmm. they will allow in Europe and when I traveled through Brazil for the World Cup it wasn't a problem so if you just say you know, you've got certain thousands worth of equipment then most airlines will allow you to take it on because they know that once they put it in once it goes down those uh, conveyor belts <laughs> mm. it's um it's very susceptible to getting damaged or stolen as well which is another common thing that happened in Brazil but we won't go into that too much yeah well our airlines are quite pretty uh, when you tell them how much the equipment is they are quite cool but uh, yeah. unless you fly with Ryanair you know I mean? yeah of course <laughs> I flew I remember I had a big uh, incident with Ryanair because and since then it's like 15 years ago since then I said I'm never flying with them again they just uh, they didn't want to let me bring my 600 lands with me just like you know in my hands on, yeah, loose. on the board with me like loose yeah, yeah. and uh I told them how much that lens is, and they said to me, "Yeah, uh, I don't care. You fly, or you know, if you if you want to take it with you, you don't fly, you know." So um, yeah, sometimes uh, you need a little bit of a char- charm as well on the at the at the airports, you know, speaking to the ladies because obviously it's it's quite heavy the the handbags we we have with us. But um, yeah, think tank. I used to use think tank, but uh, think tank is too bulky for me it's too big and uh, you see f- straight away that it's a camera bag and you know with mm-hmm. with my f-stop i have no problem at all because it looks like a, like a normal bag it's and it's much lighter and it's good yeah i've never had spoken this. spoken by like a man who's truly sponsored by it. <laughs> <laughs> just being honest <laughs> no fair enough and the other the other little tip i have is that when sometimes i've had to travel with um in, from the Netherlands with a with a budget airline called Transavia, and they they've all, they've given me some grief in the past. So my solution for that was um, when we went to the Olympics, um, and I mean you can get these anywhere. So it's like you know the old fashioned photo jackets, you know, with little film canisters and lots and lots of pockets everywhere. Um, a lot of people have some people use them, um, but I have one from the Olympics, and I actually had that at the bottom of my four hundred bag as like the padding. And if they said to me that they wouldn't allow me on, then I would actually just take that out mm. and put all my cameras, um, the bodies and the separate lenses into the big pockets that are on this jacket and then they can't take it off you because it's part of your clothing. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it, it doesn't look very fashionable by any stretch, but I, but I have that sort of as a backup and I've had to use it once. Mm. And once the lady saw me taking all my stuff out and putting it into the pocket, she said, I'll just put it back in your bag and take it on. Mm. So she gave up um, fairly quickly um, once she realized that. Yeah, I know. This is the other way you can do it, yeah. Um, and fa- and also, yeah, favorite camera bag. Let me just say the favorite camera bag is there is no such thing as the perfect camera bag. Um, my wife and, I'm, and I know a lot of my colleagues um, have – a room or cupboards full of camera bags that there I, is. Yeah, I do as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you go to, if I'm going to shoot, say, um, like when I shot the Dakar, mm-hmm. I didn't take a, a long lens. I didn't take a 300 or a 400. It was all 7200 was the longest lens. So I had everything in a backpack. I had two bodies, um, about five or six lenses, and you know the remotes and all that, and it could fit into mm-hmm. a think tank backpack. You know that was just a, a you know fairly small, heavy. 
but fairly small bag. And then I had a separate uh, shoulder bag, which when I would use during the day walking around, I'd have the cameras hanging off me and a separate sort of shoulder um, bag that would just have two or three lenses in it, you know what I mean, instead of carrying the backpack everywhere. Yeah. So it, it, it just really depends on, you know, what, A, what equipment you have, and B, what you're shooting too. So, you know, there's no use getting the biggest think tank bag if you don't have a 400 mil or a 600 mil lens, you know. So it just it, – there's no such thing as – and there, there is a, a few, a lot of the new bags that are coming out do have wheels. And if I was any, if I could make any suggestion to any young photographer is get a wheeled bag as soon as possible because uh, all the old photographers that you speak to have all got bad backs and bagged knees. And yeah. that's just from carrying very, very heavy equipment over a very long, long time. So yeah, rolly bags would be the suggestion for me not 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 only the old ones i, I had um, two <laughs> years ago i had a big issue with my bag this is where when i started or three years ago when i started really um hard practicing my my bag and also yeah. um thinking about what i carry uh, you know with me and uh, as you said i have a, a whole i have a whole uh um, series of bags and you know I, I always pick for each event a different bag if I can and it helps you really a lot you invest in your in your equipment but you have to invest invest a lot, a lot uh, as, as well in your bags in your in your um, in, in the camera gear in the in the gear you keep your uh, cameras you know in inside and you carry on with you so it's important as well well, can I just say something as well that I don't uh, I don't consider you a young photographer anymore. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You've been in the game too long to be considered a young photographer. Sorry, mate. You might have your boyish good looks, but uh, you're an old guy now. Sorry. <laughs> um, do you have a? Um, it says here. Do you have a favorite lens for carrying solution for carrying a lens or around an event? Okay, so moving between tennis courts, uh, golf course. Um, and I think we sort of answered that last one. Yeah, I've got the 400 donkey long uh, long lens bag for the 400. I've got like a shoulder bag. Um, but yeah, usually when you're, when you're at an event like a tennis or even at the, when I was at the judo, I sort of rolled everything there in the rolly bag. And then when I got there, I had the shoulder bag, which I would put, you know, the two lenses in and then I'd have the two bodies on either shoulder or, you know, the 400 on the monopod over my shoulder sort of thing. So yeah, just having a smaller bag to sort of when you get to the event, you know, and usually um, at most events you can have a, a locker or some. I'm sure your F-stop, do they have a built-in security features as well you can uh, tell us about, Vlad? Yeah, you can lock, you can, if you have it just with a simple padlock, you can just uh, lock the <coughs> those two zips uh, so you can lock them together. It's, uh, yeah, pretty easy. And you have also like a kind of a, uh, they call it ICU, which is an insert thing as you had um, with your camera bag, uh, with your lens bag, I think it's something similar. So if there is any issue, you you can just take it out, you know, out of the bag, the whole thing, the whole, uh, it's basically the heart of the bag. And um, there's another zip, so you can close it as well. Just take it with you. It's much smaller and you can just put it underneath your legs or something, you know. Yeah, or whatever you can take it with you. Just when you don't want to leave your bag unattended, or you 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 have to leave it unattended, you know, you just take it out and take it with you. Yeah, when we when um when I shot at the World Cup in uh, Rio, um, before a match, a football match, usually 
you know, people shooting the warm up of the players. And then obviously, then you walk over from your position to go to the, in front of the manager's um, boxes or the manager's seats and the, the, the substitute's bench. Mm-hmm. And the players, you know, they do their national anthems and then they pose for a team photo. And in Brazil, there was a bit of a security issue with a lot of, uh, with some equipment being stolen. So even that, you know, five minutes from walking from your position, you would lock up your stuff. And like uh, some of the bags, like I know my think tank does, and um, it has like a cable, um, a hard, uh, you know, a cable mm-hmm. that needs a, a massive wire cutter to cut through. And then you yeah. would actually lock the bag up and then it's got like a special padlock for the, so every, and then I would run that wire through my other bags, mm. uh, put my laptop inside the bag. Like it was ev- like if anyone wanted to get to my stuff, they could, of course, but it would take more than two or three minutes, yeah. which would give you know you know you're constantly looking over there as well. So, if you if you if you do have um, go to an event and you do have some sort of fears of getting your equipment stolen, mm. which is which is natural, then look for something with a security um, with a with um, a security feature built in. Yeah. So like you know cables or make sure that the the make sure the zips um, have big enough circles that you can actually fit a, a decent sized padlock through. You know, none of these uh, small padlocks, which you can just get a pen and sort of mm. push it open. So, yeah, I think uh, security is obviously a big, in, um, a crucial. Again, you don't want to go to an event, you know, after one day or two week event, and having equipment stolen is not really ideal, is it, by any stretch? So, yeah, looking for something as well that has uh, some security features on it as well. Oh man, I think uh, Rio is going to be a bit, bit, bit of a fun again. You know, this year, the Olympics. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. If it's any, if the World Cup was anything to go by, then uh, yeah, there's going to be um, everyone has to keep their eye, um, an extra eye time, open. Yeah. <laughs> there's no, no, uh, there's no sort of. Um, you couldn't leave anything for any a couple minutes. If you do, it'll it'll be gone quickly. Yeah. Um, I know uh, we spoke about this last time on our interview. Um, uh, deliberately trying to take photos different from the photographer next to you and uh, i mean you mentioned that in detail on your uh, on on our on your podcast on your interview with me um which was interview number s- photography philosophy episode number seven mm-hmm. so if anyone hasn't heard that you can go back and listen to that one and uh vlad gives us a lot of detail but if you want to just give us a quick how do you take different photos from the person next to you, Vlad? Tell I us. I don't know. <laughs> it's a, that's, the, that's the key question. I um, I don't, I wouldn't say I do it deliberately. I I just try to to um, to capture capture things uh in a way I uh, I see it. I don't know. Sometimes it's um. I just don't like the simple way, if I can say it uh, this way, you know. I mean, uh, shooting goals and stuff is important as well for, for agencies, of course, and, and stuff like that. But it never was the, the you know, the, 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 the target for me um, to get a nice goal shot. For me, it was the, the target to get a nice, I mean, disappointment picture of the opposite player at that moment, you know, in a, in a nice light and... Which is more difficult and more risky, and um, but I, this was more or less what I was after. Um, I was always saying uh, to my editors, and uh, I had a lot of discussions with my editors through through the years, that the goals, anyway, you know, the the the, the spectator, the spectator, uh, spectators, and and the people can see it on TV news from every different angle, you know. 
and the role of a photographer is to to go underneath the skin and and show the other angle you know which you can't see on tv so uh, this was my philosophy i don't know um of course there's when you work uh, for agents for an agency it's um you have to shoot that the, the your employer um requests pictures like that so it's difficult you know it's a thin line and uh everybody has to decide for himself how um, to um deal with that yeah again going back just to a recent example for me was the judo um all the photographers were sitting on the side of the mat like most people well i think 95% of the photographers were mat side especially when the germans because it was in germany this event when the germans or um or the Americans, or ever you know, the larger nations who have you know gold medal um, uh, aspirations this for Rio this uh, summer. Mm-hmm. The you know the, there was every photographer was sitting on the side, and pretty much I refused <laughs> um, to sit on the side because if uh, someone wants the picture of the side, there'll be twenty, thirty photographers to pick from. So I mm-hmm. was going up the top and going. I was deliberately making sure that I was not standing next to anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing I did, which the, all the photographers were laid on one side, but noticing, paying attention, you notice that most people would celebrate after they had won a fight towards their coach, which was on the other side of the map, which mm-hmm. no photographers were allowed. So what I did is I went into the stands with a longer lens and waited, um, especially for the gold medals and the bronze medal matches, mm-hmm. to wait over the other side. And, uh, it's worked out. Of course, of course. The the guy who won the gold medal, he turns around, looks at his coach, screams, and everyone else has got a photo of his back, and mm. I've got a nice photo of him screaming as he's beaten his uh, opponent. So you know, the, I think uh, I think if you see where again, if you're a young photographer and you don't know what you're doing at an event, go next to someone who knows what they're doing, just mm-hmm. so you can get a feel for it. But once you understand the sport, once you understand what the photographers are, um, what you're what you're looking for as well then you can take a risk, you know, mm-hmm. um, unless, again, unless your client says, I need to have this picture. Like you said, you know, we have, as an agency, we need to get the goal picture. We need to get the celebration picture. We can't uh, we can't deviate too far away from that, you know, from certain jobs, you know, because we work for UEFA or FIFA or, you know, whoever whoever the client may be. So we have to get those certain goals. But if you do not have that sort of brief or that request from a client, then, yeah, you're pretty much don't stand next to another photographer. Mm, yeah, Try yeah, and I, move around. I agree, yeah. I mean, taking the risks is the, uh, you know, you have to, you need guts for that as well. And a lot of photographers, a lot of great photographers, I know, uh, sometimes just don't risk or, you know, they would just rather get the, sure, the you know, the secure shot and, and that's it. And uh, but especially if it's a championship uh, um, picture or something. But... Um, yeah, taking the risk is the uh, for for me it's everything, you know. I I'm, I mean, I've, I came back from an event without any picture many times, but also with a, with a great picture, you know. So sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, the, we uh, there's not many photographers who win every time. I don't think there are any photographers that win every time. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not it's not it's not that kind of a game. Um, yeah. uh, how do you select? Uh, all right. Now, Vlad, pretend you're an amateur photographer. Yeah. How would you select shooting an amateur uh, sports event? Yeah, well, that's the easiest thing, I think. I would I would think about the sport, uh, think about the, the, the environment, uh, if it's indoor or outdoor sport, the light, you know, the, day, uh, the, the, the time of the day the sport takes part. 
um, stuff like that, you know, the access you get, you can get. I mean, the amateur sports are just great, you know, because usually there's no uh, massive security, you know, massive health and safety, so you can get close, you can change angles, you know. Uh, people are even happy that they see a photographer, you know, <laughs> taking pictures of yes. them. Yeah, yeah. So it's great, and I know a great photographer, a German photographer, uh, whose name is Sasha Fromm, and he works like that uh, since years, and he goes to every possible amateur sport, and he wins, like, awards in, in, in Germany every year with that. And... Um, it's great because uh, sometimes you get a better picture, you take a better picture at a local football game around the corner than in a, in a Champions League match, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, the light, I think, like you said before, is the light's important. If you have a, if you have a, you know, 600D Canon or, you know, some sort of camera that maybe is not the best in low light, you know, it's an, if you have a 5.6 lens or something like that, then shooting a football match at your a night football match at your local football ground is probably not the best option for you because you're pretty much guaranteed that the lights are not going to be very good, your high ISO on your camera is not going to be very good, so you're going to be struggling um, from the offset to get a good picture. But if you go to that same ground on a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning um, um, to do some of the amateur matches, you know, to do you know kids' football or whatever, um, or the other thing, obviously, you've got to check with the clubs as well. Um, let them know that you're going to be arriving. Let them know that you're going to um, be shooting at their event. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they can give you extra access or something like that. But yeah, I think uh, making yourself um, known to the to the organisers or to the club that you want to be shooting at as well is um, very important because you know you don't want to be showing up somewhere where you know. I know people are very sensitive these days. You know, you don't want to be taking photos of kids or something like that. You know, they're thinking, who's that guy over there taking pictures of my children sort mm-hmm. of thing. So you've got to be, you know, you've just got to be aware of um, of uh, legalities sort of thing and and uh, you don't want to be playing on people's fears as well. So yeah, you've got to make yourself aware to the club and, you know, if someone says to you, who are you? Say, my name is so-and-so and I um, I have spoken to this person at the club and they are fully aware of who I am. So... Mm-hmm. No hiding in bushes and that kind of stuff, please. That's yeah. a that's a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, you might end yeah, up getting... at a police station. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So yeah, you know, and you know, if, uh, keeping a lookout. Like you know, I'm very lucky again. Where you know, I live in the in the Netherlands, and you know, you have there's so much stuff going on around here, around Germany, around Belgium. So there's always lots of stuff. I mean, you know, I'm sure in America and Australia, I know that there's so many sports going on at so many clubs i mean you know the the amateur sports uh is huge in all these countries so yeah you you won't have to look very far to find a good event um and even if it's like a a, a regional championships i remember you know growing up as a kid playing you know football or soccer and uh doing uh the region you know the we used to compete in the regional championships so all the best teams from around victoria would come to a, and play and you know, I was the worst player on the pitch, but you know that that's another that's another episode there. But you know, so you used to get so many people from so many different grounds and different colours of uniforms, and mm. it was you know it makes it makes good pictures. And you know those events usually run all day, so you have an option option to an opportunity to shoot early morning or evening light as well, which again will make your pictures look a lot better. Exactly. Yeah. So um, that would be my tip for that. Um, Okay, this is a more difficult one. I want to shoot sports. I can't afford an expensive long lens. 
what's the best way to shoot sports without one? No, that's Go. an easy one. <laughs> I mean, uh, as we said in the previous uh, question, um, especially like amateur sports, it's, it's easy. The access is easy, so you don't really need like massive long lenses. So what you need, I would, I would just take like fifty mil with me, one, one, one camera buddy, and just go and you know you can walk around, you can get closer. You can do a nice overview. Uh, you can play with a light. You know, it's uh, you don't really need a massive uh, camera to get a nice picture uh, at amateur sports. I, I mean, the sports where you need also long lens, like swimming, maybe, or you know, when you need a detail or something. But there's so many sports where you just need your 50 mil or, or 35, even. You know, I mean. It um, depends uh, on your creativity, uh, how you think about the sport, how, and even if you are limited with one lens, it pushes you, you know, to, to in a different angle, uh, look differently at the things, and uh, thinking differently about the, the the motive you you shoot. Makes you work differently. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I used to shoot um, when I was in the UK. Shoot a lot of boxing, and that was all shot on a twenty four seventy. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, you don't need a, you know, I used to shoot, and that's, you know, this is the highest uh, level of boxing in the UK, which is you know, a very, very good international standard. And, yeah, you know, I had the 70 to 200, which I would use sometimes for, you know, some details or something, but the actual fight itself and, you know, probably 90% of the work was done on a on the 2470, you know, so which is exactly in that 50 mil that mm-hmm. uh, Vlad was just mentioning. And... You know, I'd have the 1635 for a wide shot or something, and then, you know, maybe, the, like I said, the 7200 for a detail shot, but, yeah, 90% of the photos that I sent were on that in that range, in that 50 mil range. So there are sports. I mean, you can go down to your local um, boxing club or judo club or whatever it is, and, you know, there's always, like, you know, some sort of uh, combat which you actually are allowed to get right in there close. I mean, I shot, yeah. remember, shooting uh, curling and... I don't know if you know curling, Vlad. I'm sure I've you been, do, living in Germany. I've been shooting <laughs> curling at the Olympics. In, in, uh, there you go. <laughs> in uh, Turin. I had even like picture of the day at the, on CNN. They were everybody laughing. Like When they sent me to curling, they were like, okay. Uh, I came back with a picture of the day at, the, at <laughs> CNN. You know? It was so funny. Yeah, so I mean, I've, I've shot curling and uh, a Women's World Cup, which, uh, you know, I had my 400, uh, yes, and which I did use here and there. But, you know, the most of the time you are right in there close. So you can, you are next to the athletes. So you don't need a long lens. Um, you just have to be a bit more selective on your sports. And you can't expect to go to a football match and then produce the same thing that you're going to see on a, from a Champions League match because those people do have a 400 to 8 or a 300 to 8. So. I wouldn't go to an event expecting to get the same thing, and please don't crop people. Try and yeah. fill the frame. Or as you, or as you said before, um, doing Dakar. Uh, how long were you there? Three weeks, four weeks? Yeah, three weeks, and yeah, the and longest lens I needed was a seventy-two hundred. Exactly. For sure. Yeah, on the other side of the world, but obviously you have two, three buddies with you just in case um, your camera gives up or something. Yeah, of course. Which can't happen with Canon, of course. But <laughs> and, uh, well, uh, that's the thing. The last two years I've done it, I've taken um, a third body, a Mark IV, as a backup, and mm-hmm. I haven't used it because the 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 one DXs are so well weather sealed and they do copper beating and all the buttons do creak and grind with all the sand that's going through them no, they are but you know yeah. in, but in, you know they're, in they're, rain as well i mean the, they are so yeah water water resistant it's good it's unbelievable 
But um, that's it. That's all you need. The, the most expensive lens you had with you was seventy two hundred, which is like three kilos. But <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's a heavier lens. But you know, but it is it is flexible. You know, you do get you know when they're when they're a bit far away, or you know, you can for details when you're walking through the pits and uh, you know or through the through the garages and stuff like that. You know, you can use it for that kind of thing. But yeah. you know, you know, like I spoke to um, Leachy uh, on the last episode. You know, he uses a uh, uh, football. He uses a uh, 100. Mm. Mill, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, a, a straight 100, 28, and he's been using that since 1992, which mm-hmm. I'm still astounded by. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, a, a 100 mil is not a very expensive lens. It's, I think it's, you can buy secondhand for under $1,000 US. Um, no, and not even that. I think I paid yeah. for the new one, like 1,000 euros or something. Yeah, that's what I mean. So, <laughs> the, again, you're getting a high-quality lens, which is light as well, which is fairly small, and... That lens will get you, um, super you know, sharp uh, as well, yeah. super super sharp, quick. Um, so again, you're not paying much. I'm sorry for the Nikon listeners. I'm not. <laughs> I don't know about Nikon. <laughs> which which listeners? <laughs> <laughs> sorry to all our Nikon listeners <laughs> or Nikon for our American friends. Um, uh, how do I get my pictures recognized by one of the top agencies? Ooh, um, I think you skipped one question, didn't you? Um, are your top tips to getting better sports pictures tips for better sports pictures i think we sort of ran through i mean yeah. we sort of mentioned little bits through the last um you know you know using different angles um trying uh you know i guess different exposures as well like you know going for slow shutters doing pans mm. you know looking for shadows i mean it's uh, you know tip i think we sort of mentioned that yeah, as we're sort yeah. of going along aren't we i agree yeah so um Let's go to the next one. I just um, how do you get my how do you get your pictures recognized by the top agencies, Vlad? Uh, it's a good picture. Uh, that's a good question for you, actually. Dean. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, I I it's so I I don't know I I don't know if I have a really good answer for this one because I've sort of been brought up. Well, when I I mean I started at Getty and I thought I knew something about photography and then when I realized when I got there I knew, I knew nothing. That was my so pretty much I sort of had to wipe my memory of what I'd learned before and then realize that, you know, these guys that have been doing it for a long, long time know much more about great pictures than I do. So that my to get your pictures recognized, I think you just need to – I think people shoot for a year or two years and expect that they'll have a great portfolio and it, and I thought that as well. You know, I thought after shooting for a couple of years, as even as an editor working, you know, uh, on my spare days – I would have a good portfolio, but it just doesn't happen. Mm. Um, you know, it takes years and years and years to get, you know, a good 20 or 30 really, really strong images. So it does take a long time, which is one thing that, you know, the um, naivety of youth, you sort of just expect it to happen quicker and quicker, but it just doesn't. There's no way of speed, you know, of speeding that process up. You just need to um, keep working hard and keep going to events and keep going to your local and uh, grounds and you might have to go to the same ground 20 times to get, mm-hmm. you know, a, one amazing photo, you know, one when the light, you know, maybe the light's great but the action doesn't happen for you. Then the next time you go there, the action happens but the light's not great, you know. So you really need to just keep um, pursuing it and then getting them recognized by the top agencies, unf- It's I know from experience that my – um, bosses are inundated with um, with links and portfolios from 
photographers all over the world looking for work and it's it's really difficult to um get your get your name out there um it, i i i really i really don't have a very good answer for this one unfortunately yeah i mean I don't know if you can help me Vlad, because i'm um, you know as a freelance photographer who is you know, traveling <laughs> well, around and no as you said as you said it's a difficult question um Especially in a in a in an era that where there's like I think I've I've read yesterday somewhere that it's been taken 1.4 trillion pictures last year, you know, uh, with all the smartphones and everything, and so um, yeah, um, to stand standing out, out out of it is <laughs> quite difficult. But uh, yeah, doing something different, yeah, try to do something different and and. Um, try to get in touch with the agencies, show portfolio, never be satisfied with your portfolio, always keep motivated, you know, keep yourself motivated, even as, as you said, coming back to the stadium for 20th, 30th uh, time. Um, yeah, it's a process. There's no so. quick answer, is there? There's just, there? There is no quick answer, you know, how do I get my picture recognized? I mean, the thing is, you just have to build up a strong portfolio. Mm -hmm. um, you have to speak to the photographers, maybe at the agencies that you like, um, you know, you'll you'll meet them uh, at the grounds that you go to, or you meet you'll, um, and you just have to sort of ask them about you know how they got the job. Um, you know, I mean, this is part of the reason why I'm doing this podcast is mm -hmm. to try and give that people that sort of um, that that not, that uh, you know how the guys that are doing it got into the game, mm -hmm. and it is it's just about being persistent and being about um, relentless uh, in your uh, pursuit of uh, of becoming a sports photographer it mm -hmm. is it is as simple as that there's no the, unfortunately there's no easy answer there's no quick sort of yep yeah, this is how to do it yeah. there really there is you know everyone that i've spoken to has come into it a little bit differently you know some like yourself you know sort of like you said i think you said you've never really had to go for a job interview you've always been sort of taken on whereas mm -hmm. i've pretty much pestered and hounded my way <laughs> yeah i was just very persistent and just kept uh speaking to someone every week until they sort of gave me a job you know, yeah, without, know yeah. hopefully without annoying them but yeah that's how you know so everyone sort of comes into it a little bit differently yeah. i've got an easier the next one's a bit easier for us vlad <laughs> how do you protect your gear when shooting in extreme weather rain dust snow etc yeah, so that's the key thing, you know. I mean, uh, sometimes uh, when I'm at at a uh, outdoor event uh, or at a race, and you see the cloud coming coming in, you know, with the rain and stuff. So first thing I do, I protect my gear. I don't protect myself. Uh, sometimes I even like don't wear something, you know, waterproof uh, myself. But I, I first thing is to protect your lens, your camera gear. Uh, because it can be, it can uh, get a, a major damage if you if you don't care about your gear. And I mean, um, rain is pretty straightforward. Uh, there's a lot of waterproof uh, stuff we get from Canon for for our lenses and for the cameras. Um, dust dust is quite tricky because dust, especially you might say something about that um, at the Dakar maybe. Yeah. And uh, snow, uh, yeah, cold in general. It's um, yeah. Sometimes I do uh, when I was shooting in um, like uh, alpine skin, for example, and uh, stuff like that. Uh, it was in the old days where the batteries didn't last even that much. So what we what we did is we just um, put the camera underneath the jacket, you know, just keep mm -hmm. it keep it a little warm and waiting, waited until the the, the skier arrived or something, and. Um, 
or just before the skier arrived, we just get ready and and started shooting. But um, if you want to say about about it something more, Dean. Um, yeah, I think the, the snow thing. You're right. Even even now that the batteries, when it's cold, and you know, and I'm shooting a football match, usually I'll take a battery, the the next battery out, and I'll put it in my pocket, you know, or in my in my on my inside my uh, vest pocket or chest near my chest, so it's nice and warm. Because the batteries, once they get cold, they do seem to um, the the power seems to deteriorate a lot quicker. Um, as for dust, um, I uh, I would actually have sort of a scarf around them. But a lot of the photographers mm-hmm. who shoot rally on a regular basis would have a, a neoprene, uh, like a wetsuit style mm-hmm. material that you can buy for you know the five days uh, for all the cameras. Pretty much, you can buy a um, a custom made uh, neoprene cover. Um, which has like a clear plastic on the back so you can see all, you know, use the menus and stuff like that. And there was a neoprene cover as well for the lenses. Like a, it's like a sock pretty mm. much. Um, I didn't use them just for the fact that I knew that I could get my equipment cleaned. Um, if I was shooting Rally and Dakar, I mean Dakar's once a year, but if I was shooting Rally all the time, then maybe I would have something like that. But knowing that, uh, you know, I was just, you know, when the cars would come past and they'd be covered in dust, I would put my scarf or put my put it in my jacket just until the until the main mm-hmm. brunt of it had gone past. So um, wet weather is pretty straightforward. It's uh, for me Think Tank again. I'm not sponsored by them, mm-hmm. um, but I use a Think Tank uh, wet weather cover for my 400 mil, which is a three to six hundred. It says on the thing, and you know it's adjustable, so you can put it onto your on your longer lens and there is one for the 7200 but I don't use it that much because I find it um, especially at a football match where you need to be grab your lens quickly mm-hmm. you can't get access to it so my top tip is to buy camping towels um, mm-hmm. so when you go camping you get these um, um, and you see the um, the divers you know at the swimming they have these towels they're like a, a small sheet but they absorb a, a crazy amount of water. Mm-hmm. Um, I use one of them on top of my lens, uh, on top of my camera when it's pouring rain, and you, they just suck up so much water that you can put it on top of your camera and then throw it off when you need to use it mm-hmm. and then put it straight back on and it just sucks up all the water straight out of it. And and the other tip that I have is that in my bag, um, for only a few dollars from China, I bought a box of... Um, you know the little gel? You know when you buy shoes or a camera equipment or anything, you get these little packets. They're like little salt packets mm-hmm. of gel yeah. that you have. I've actually got like those scattered around my camera bag. So if your camera equipment gets a little bit wet or it's a little bit damp or whatever and then you put it back in your bag, those um, – The humidity, uh, those, yeah. Yeah, the humidity or whatever, those little capsule, those little bags, they suck up all the moisture that comes out, out of the camera. So – there's another little tip that I've uh, figured out over the – because I remember buying some shoes and I thought, oh, I'll use this then. I'll just put it in my camera bag. And then mm. you know, I looked. I think it was on Amazon or eBay or one of the one of those sites You know, that you can buy like a massive bag of them from Hong Kong or China for, for, for nothing. And yeah, so every, every couple of weeks I just take them out and put in some new ones. And they seem to keep my equipment dry, um, especially when, you know, like I said, it's been pouring rain and you dry off your equipment as best you can and – Instead of leaving it on a heater and stuff, I can put it in my bag, and I know those little, uh, the little chemical reaction will suck up the water, and mm-hmm. yeah, I'll th- throw them away. So that's my other, yeah. So camping, 
camping towels or, um, or, or, or diving, you know, the swimming towels you can buy from any swimming store or whatever um, to keep my cameras dry if you can't – because those uh, wet weather um, covers from Think Tank are quite expensive as well. So um, I think they're over $100, I think, from mm-hmm. memory. So, I mean, I know it's not a lot of money if you consider the equipment that it's protecting, but, you know, uh, those towels are a, a good option if you don't even have the longer lenses. So Yeah, I always travel with two, three small, like, um, towels with me, and I use them also as a wrap-up, you know, for my lenses in the bag. Okay, yeah, and, as protection as well. Yeah, but I also make always sure that uh, after, you know, or you get soaked up or something, you know, that you just keep your equipment outside overnight, uh, open uh, everything open lenses you know take off the covers and everything just to let the electronics and everything dry out uh, because it's very important yeah yeah to keep uh, yeah you've got, obviously got to try and maintain your cures uh, gear as uh, as much as you can yeah and especially when you're away you know if you're you know if i'm traveling to you know kazakhstan or something like that then i can't afford to have my equipment fail mm-hmm. um and you can't because you know you don't you can't just go down to the local store and get a a borrower replacement or Canon you know they don't have offices in every single place you know so you need to really take care with that and the rain the rain one's fairly easy dust I would say is you know uh, you know you've got the blowers and you've got those cans of air the compressed air which you know every after every day you know you give it a quick you know blow off all the major dust. Um, but one of my uh, Felipe who uh, a friend of mine who had covered the Dakar with he. He had his camera pretty much fall in some mud. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jesus. And oh yeah, uh, but he kept using it, um, and uh, he just left it overnight. And the next day, when the mud was all hard, then he pulled off the mud and gave it a wipe, and it looked as good as new. <laughs> the other thing we, this is another thing too. For anyone who has kids, will know about this. Um, baby wipes, mm-hmm. if they can clean. The crap off a baby's bum. Clean <laughs> camera is really, really good as well. So, there's another tip for you as well. Use baby, baby bum wipes. They they um they seem to clean. If they can, like I said, if they can clean crap, they can clean anything. So uh, we had a. I have a, a one of those in my bag as well. I didn't realize how much stuff I've got for cleaning. Now, now I think about it. That's good. <laughs> um, Vlad. Yeah. What makes a really great sports picture? Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's difficult to answer. Is it? Um, I mean, it's the magic moment when um, everything everything comes into one, you know, into one um, point, basically, where the... the um, the uh, action, the the um, composition, the light, and everything. The background. Yeah, the background. Everything comes uh, into one magic moment where you know you took a great picture. Uh, it's difficult to say. There's no rule really for that as well. <coughs> uh, but um, yeah, with 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 the practice and with the years uh, of practicing and working as a sports photographer, you already know. When you take a nice picture, or a great picture, or you know, when you are satisfied. yeah, as soon as you see, you're like, okay, oh, this is nice, you 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 know, but yeah, I think yeah, clean and making a clean background. I think if uh, for me, if anything is in the background, like you know, if it's not a, if it's got fluorescent, uh, if it's got a fluorescent bib from a, from a security guard in the background or something like that, I don't think that can ever count for my from my personal opinion anyway. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It has to have. It has to be. Uh, a clean background where the subject stands out. Like I've seen great action mm-hmm. 
an amazing tackle or a great football celebration or a great goal or something, you know, uh, but in the background it's you can see the empty seats mm-hmm. or or there's, you know, the ball boys standing, you know, you can see he's standing, the ball boys in the background or whatever. Mm-hmm. For me, that doesn't count as a good, great sports picture. You know, it has to be, you know, a, a moment um, that has captured uh, in decent light, like, you know, like when you see Usain Bolt crossing the finish line, mm-hmm. the best pictures of him, I think, you know, when you see the expression on his face, you know, the usually the, the, the stands are nice and, you know, dark background and, you know, there's no distraction from him you know that's that's mm-hmm. there's no distraction from the moment and if you have any distraction i think in, in in any of the picture then it doesn't make it a great sports picture in my opinion yeah. but then again i see a lot of competition winners and maybe i don't know what a great sports picture is because i don't know it, it, it <laughs> yeah but it's great about the photography because it's so subjective you know it's so individual everybody <clears throat> sees it in a different way and um yeah it's i mean it's great discussing about it and <clears throat> speaking about photography and you know but uh, yeah it's uh, you know like think about your best picture like i think your favorite picture when we spoke was one from from uh the singapore yeah. night grand prix and you know you'd worked on it for hours and you know it was it was a, a beautiful image mm. and uh, that may for me that was a great sports image and it was it is a great sports image because it's it's very um, visual, very, um, and you do have to look at it twice before you realize what it is. Which mm-hmm. I like. It. I like that in a sports picture. You know, you say, "Oh, that's really pretty," but what is it? Oh, that's oh, that's you know, that it makes you second guess what you, what you're looking at, mm-hmm. which can make a great picture as well. Yeah, but yeah, every photographer a photographer thinks also differently. So some photographers think uh, a great sports picture is, a, is an action chart you know another photographer is more graphic uh, another photographer again uh, goes for the feature you know it's um it's an individual thing and uh, but as you said like the background is very important uh second look you know <clears throat> uh, clean composition a technically very good picture uh sometimes even an, an unsharp picture is nice is great i like uh, you know using unsharpness but uh, as, as we say, it's individual, and and uh, there's not really an answer for that question again. I like uh, I, I'm gonna have, I like sharp pictures personally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I'm gonna say it has uh, for me like you know if someone does a pan like if you're doing like a fifteenth of a or twentieth of a second photo of you know someone running or a speed skater going past or whatever, you know there needs to be um, it has to be the face I think the face. Um, like you know, like when you do Formula One, usually you have to get the helmet. You know, the helmet has to be the sharpest point, doesn't it? Is that is that right? Yeah, that's one of the rules. Yeah. Um... Yeah, unwritten rules. You know that kind of stuff. But yeah, in general, in general, I know there's always exceptions to the rules, but in general, you usually have to get the helmet sharp, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. usually. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, yeah. Uh, sometimes, but even sometimes when you see, you know, nice light uh, or a nice color uh, composition or something and you deliberately uh, un- you know put put it out of focus and and it makes a beautiful um beautiful shot uh, yeah um, yeah it's more graphic than it is yeah. uh yeah i get that I, I know what you mean there we could discuss about this question for hours i think and we you know we uh, won't come to any conclusion, to conclusion yeah <laughs> All right. Um, last question. Um, 
I only have basic kit. Uh, would you recommend I upgrade to a faster camera or longer lens for sports photography? Mm. I know my answer on this one. It's pretty easy, I think. You? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, even with a basic kit, you can do nice stuff. But obviously, you need um, for sports. You need, uh, yeah, fast camera is a is an advantage. Is of an advantage. Longer lens, as we said before. Uh, sometimes you need it. Sometimes you don't. So you can adapt to that. Uh, yeah. What do you think? I I I would go for the lens. I think um, you know the body's you know even. You know, uh, the body, the Mark IV, sorry, Nikon people again, but I'm going to speak Canon. The the Nikon, the Canon uh, Mark IV, which was from uh, maybe six years or seven years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the one DX came out and, you know, the, the bodies evolve. You know, the, I thought the Mark IV was amazing, which it is, but then the DX came out and that's phenomenal. And then my colleagues, I haven't tried it yet, but the, the new Mark II DX mm-hmm is again a step up so you know the bodies seem to uh evolve and change um every couple of years but the lenses like i said before about lychee you know he's been using the same 100 mil since 1992 mm. so you know if you invest in a good quality lens then and i you think you <laughs> and you look after it and you have all the wet weather protection and <laughs> yeah and if you look after it and you know i think you'll get a lot more um satisfaction and you can make a great uh you know even with the you know the all these cameras that you get these days you know the 600Ds or whatever they are you know you they they're all good cameras they're all really really good cameras you know they all produce a really good file they all have decent ISO, you know, and in sunlight and all that kind of stuff, you're never going to have a problem. So spending the money on a lens that is a fixed 2.8 or, you know, or if you can afford it, you know, a 50 mil 1.4 or whatever you can get, mm-hmm. I think you, you're much better off, I think, investing in the in the glass. That's yeah. that's my opinion. I the glass agree, is, yeah. makes the, you know, if you've got a kit lens, uh, you, know, they, you know, that goes from, 5.6 to 7.2 or whatever whatever they do these days you know that if you've got those lenses they're all they're great they're good you know they'll do the job but as soon as you put on that 7200 or you put on that 100 mil or whatever when you put on that lens you are going to see a massive difference in color in sharpness in all of your images so yeah i agree i would say i would say yeah i would say Invest in the um, in the glass uh, more than the body. That if if you had a choice, yeah, one al- or the other. Also, the, every every four year, I think comes out a new generation of cameras, especially with Canon and Canon and Nikon. And yeah. Every eight years, I think the cycle for lenses is every eight years or something like that. And mm-hmm. I um, I remember just to be um, uh, more objective uh, that. Um, in the beginning, I was shooting like first three, four years. I was shooting with Nikon uh, when I was like eighteen years old, and I remember this great lens. We were you were speaking about Canon the whole time, but also Nikon does great stuff. And I've been using this great lens, which was a four hundred mil, two point eight, everything like full manual, yeah. and it was so sharp. I can't remember ever since a lens to be sharp like that. You know, maybe the 100 mil, Canon 100 mil is very sharp as well. It gets, clo- gets close to, to that. And 135 is sharp as well. But also I use um, a 50 mil lens, full, fully manual. And um, 
and uh, uh, it's an old lens. I mean, it's like twenty years old lens, you know, and it's still great and it's still sharp. So, uh, as you said, yeah, investing in a good uh, good glass uh, is uh, is a good investment, and uh, if you look after it, yeah, it's gonna bring you a lot of nice pictures. I did buy a Nikon lens on your recommendation. You huh? <laughs> I did. And how I was bought that? a one point four Nikon. It's great. I've I've only used it a few times, yeah. but yeah, it's uh, it's 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 a beautiful little lens, and it's going. I've got the adapter and everything, and uh, yeah. yeah. So after you did that, I went straight online and then looked for a couple of weeks, and ended up finding one on eBay for a decent price. So <laughs> how much did you pay for that? I think it was under a hundred. So yeah, yeah. I think uh, not many people bid on it, so I got it at a really good price. So yeah. um, I was very happy with that. Yeah, you know what? I I had a like a presentation a couple couple of weeks back in Austria at the Red Bull headquarters, and I was speaking about this lens I'm using and stuff like that. And after I finished, like guys came up to me with, you know, like they were already on eBay and wanted to see which, which exactly lens is it. So uh, I, I should think. About You're driving that. up world sales of uh, old Nikon lenses, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there's something going on in Japan now in the Nikon. Request. Yeah, I mean, yeah, in, you know, like. I know, yeah. I, I mean, my I have colleagues that use Nikon and wouldn't change. So, and you know, the the lenses, uh, uh, you know, they're all very similar in terms of quality, in terms of um, build quality, and in terms of um, what they can do. So, I would again going back to it quickly. I would invest in the um, in the longer lens uh, in in glass because you know you can upgrade the camera, but the lens will probably you'll end up keeping for exactly. years to come years to come and and when they do change every eight years i you know yes they might get a little bit sharper and stuff but the jumps are not as big i think as the cameras have been over the last eight years and that um and the the main difference seems to be weight that Mm -hmm. seems to be like from from the first 400 i used to the the 400 i'm using now it's probably a quarter of the weight um but i still know photographers that are using the uh, eight the 400 mils and 300 mils from 15 20 years ago mm-hmm. and yes they are heavier yes they're a bit bigger but you know in terms of the quality you're still they're still quality glass you know they're still producing a an amazing sharp uh, crystal clear beautiful colored image exactly. so yeah that that's uh that's where i would go with that one i agree all right i think that's uh that's it really so i haven't uh i think we've covered a fair bit of ground cool yeah and uh vlad Yes. Always a pleasure to speak to you. <laughs> Thanks a lot for the invite again to that, uh, Dean. It was a pleasure. <laughs> I know. Just can before you go, just tell us what's your uh, what's your uh, movements over the next coming months. What's your uh, plans? Well, uh, yeah, my um, winter winter holiday is almost over now, um, which is probably the most quiet part of the year for me. And uh, I'm um, on Sunday. I fly to Barcelona. I will I will um, cover the football game Barcelona against Sevilla, and then ooh, that's uh, nice. From Tuesday on, I w- I'm gonna stay there. And from uh, Tuesday on, uh, I'll do the uh, last uh, F1 test before the season kicks off. Uh, for four or five days, we'll stay there. Then come back for a few days, and then we fly out to your um, to your favorite city, to Melbourne. Australia. Ah. <laughs> right, mate, you're gonna make me cry. <laughs> Where the season starts, yeah, and then uh, it's gonna, yeah, we're gonna get soon in our rhythm again, like one week off, one week, one week uh, working, and 
And that's 21 races through the season. You're, you're at every one, are you? Yes, on every one. And uh, I think it's the, the record, isn't it, now this year? 21 races we've never had before. So it's going to be quite busy, I think. It's gone up from, was it 18 not long ago? Uh, now they've... Yeah, it, was, it used to be like 16, 15, 16 races. Then we moved up to 18, 19 was last year. And this year we have 21 races, yeah. Unless uh, wow. some of the races will, uh, you know, be uh, call, will get called off or something, as it happened last year with Germany, I think. Uh, it's going to be 21 races, which is pretty a uh, pretty full calendar, yeah, for F1. Uh, so your um, social uh, life uh, is a bit <laughs> more difficult to manage now, isn't it? With uh, with that, you know, it doesn't sort of give you much time. You know, you do a race, you go home for a week, you go do a race. You, I mean, it's it's it's, it's difficult, just... yeah. But uh, you know what? I I um, try to keep my social life uh, because it's important as well for your balance. You know, you need to uh, when you, yeah, you get course. back home, you need to be able to switch off. And uh, uh, I've been like now over the winter. I think I've shot like two events or something. So I've been just. I've been shooting for myself with different cameras and stuff like that, but I haven't been really shooting with my DXs and, and you know, sport events. And uh, so um, been recharging my batteries and stuff and socializing with my friends again, you know, who don't, didn't even remember how I look like. But <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm joking. But, uh, yeah, no, keeping your friends and uh, family and everything, you know, it's, 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 it's important because it gives you a... Recharges your batteries again, and you know. Uh, the um, you last time we spoke as well. The last question, I promise. Uh, Hassle, you mentioned the Hasselblad. Will that be coming out uh, as your, a long-term project? Will you still be? I'm still carrying that around. Yeah, definitely. I will. I'll, I will bring my um, Hasselblad to a few races this year again. Uh, I've been scanning over the winter uh, the films I've been shooting last year. Uh, some some stuff is uh, looks just beautiful sometimes some stuff doesn't you know <laughs> process but uh as i said yeah it's a long-term pro- uh, process long-term uh project uh and um some at some point maybe this year already i will put put on a few pictures on my website and um we'll try to add through the uh next few months years uh new pictures to this and uh keep try keeping shooting you know try and keep shooting a film because analog photography is um, is uh, I think it's still important, you know, in in photographer's life. You're keeping you're keeping it going, mate. I like it. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like film. Yeah, it's nice. I mean, the, the 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 moment when you shoot it and you don't have you don't know what what you got, you know. It's and then you develop it. You know, it's it's nice. Yeah, when you get it developed, it's. Uh, I, was, I I think I've mentioned it before. It's like Christmas. It's like a Christmas present every time you go to get the the get the film developed you know you get back and you open that packet and it's <clears throat> excuse me you've got that uh that you know what did, what did i get and then oh well, I, I don't remember that, uh, you know that, yeah, that turned yeah, out better yeah. than i thought and oh that i thought that was going to be good and god that's crap yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah that yeah that feeling of uh seeing something new is uh always good all right well look i'll uh let you go thank you very much for your time mate again thank you dean again and uh, yeah, we'll be keeping in touch. And uh, please let me know when uh, you've uh, put some of the film uh, imagery on. Uh, I'll be looking at your website anyway during the year anyway, because uh, I always like to see what the best in the business do. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks a lot. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll keep in touch with you and, and keep shooting a great stuff as you do. Thank you very much, mate. We'll speak soon. Thank Bye, you. mate. Thank you. Bye-bye. 
Thanks, Vlad, for your help. If you have not listened to it already, go back and listen to episode number seven to hear more from Vlad and see his amazing work on VladimirReese.com. Um, he's also on Twitter, uh, Vladimir Reese, Instagram, Vladimir Reese, Facebook, Vladimir Reese, and that's uh, Vladimir V L A D I M I R, and Reese is R Y S. So, um, of course, show notes in uh, will have all the links. I have also put uh, some links um, in the show notes to the kit we used from um, Vladimir's proud sponsor, F-Stop, and um, from not my sponsor, but the guys who I do use uh, majority of my stuff from, Think Tank. So you'll see a lot of that um, stuff in the show notes. Um, listeners out there in podcast land, did we miss something? Um, would you have added something extra to the answers we gave? Um, you can contact me on my Twitter handle at AllSportsNapper or my website, AllSportsNapper.com. Um, and also, if possible, if you could spare me a couple minutes of your time and write me a review on iTunes. I hear that's supposed to be good for your uh, something or other. Well, if it does, it does. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But um, yeah, if you could add something on there, that'd be nice. Um, if you share uh, this link, uh, this show on Twitter, add my Twitter handle in there, please. Um, and also on my Twitter, I seem to put a lot of um, the best images that I find, mainly on the Getty Images website, but not, not just there, but um, from some of my colleagues. So it's a great place for you to get uh, regular sports imagery coming through. Um, and uh, you can also subscribe uh, to iTunes or SoundCloud so you don't miss a show. My name is Dean. Thank you very much again for your time. And last thing, observe listen and practice because your best photo could be one frame away. Mm-hmm.